Hey there, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Pixies, and I am delighted that you are joining us today to find out all about what it's like to pivot your business from being offline to online. And we're here speaking with Elizabeth Rakow about how she did it not just once, but is in the middle of doing it again, a second time. So Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. I feel so, so, so it's such a pleasure to know you, and I'm, I'm just delighted that you're here with us today. Oh, Joy, thank you so much for having me. And you say it's a pleasure for me to, for you to know me, but honestly, we got to know each other during a pandemic and the information that I have taken on board in such an incredibly short amount of time, which is a complete testament to you, is what has given me and my amazing son, who we'll talk about later, I'm sure, the confidence to do this. So well, absolutely hats off to you. To be fair, you had to do the work, right? So you... <laughs> You and Nicholas had to do the work, but you did show up. <laughs> that's true. Yes. That's, that's, I, showing up is half the battle. I love to tell the story of the, um, the Australian uh, skater who, uh, he was a, um, a speed skater and he was a really good speed skater, to be fair to him. He was a good speed skater. He was one of the top in the world, but I don't think anyone had slated him to be a gold medalist. And uh, anyway, he ended up in um, this final where everyone, well, not just the final, but the all the way up to the final where everyone kept falling over themselves and whatever. And he ends up skating across and getting the gold medal. And, you know, one of his strongest messages is I showed up, you know, I was there like I was good, but I was there. And, you know, and a series of events led to me winning a gold medal. And, he, you know, he was, and I just think it's really important to that message of showing up. I think it's a really important for people to hear that, you know, you can, someone can give you the tools, you know, maybe, maybe I gave you some of the tools, but you actually had to do the work. You had to put the brave pants on, as we like to say at Tech Pixies, and you had to actually do it. So I have the card on my shelf, which says, put your brave pants on. I don't know whether you can see it, but it's oh, I love right it. next to me the whole time. I love it. Oh, I love it. So, um, so let's, let's talk about what your business was like before the pandemic. Sure. Give, give everybody a little bit of an insight about that. So I've been running, um, I've been running a business called After School Nannies since 2006. Um, and we have been, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a traditional childcare agency. So we're serving um, Southwest London um, and finding um, carers for the, that kind of critical three or four hours at the end of the school day and during the holidays and the half terms for working parents. So as you can imagine, the demand is huge um, and finding the right people is also a huge task. So uh, increasingly we've been, I mean, we've had to kind of go with the flow over the years. There used to be an amazing amount of wonderful European um, young women, uh, particularly in London, who were kind of perfecting their English here for maybe 18 months. And of course then Brexit happens and that kind of supply chain disappears tragically. Um, we've always used students because it fits in fantastically well around, um, you know, their, their timetables and also the older. We, we work primarily with, with families with primary school kids, so we don't really work with families with younger children because, um, you know, younger children tend to need traditionally um, qualified career nannies and that's not really what we're in the, in the business of providing. But the older, um, you know, the older primary school children get, the more they value actually having a kind of younger, you know, 20 something student, more of a mentor figure. Um, but actually conversely, we have a wonderful raft of what we call our after school grannies. Now they are women who are far from grannies. A lot of them are younger than me, actually. Anyone from their forties right through, I think the oldest we've ever recruited is someone who was 70. Wow. And they provide the most fantastic kind of trusted pair of hands um, you know, wraparound, totally reliable person for younger kids. So we've been doing that for years. And, um, you know, I took it over when my own children were very, very, very small. I think my youngest was two and three quarters at the time. And I always say I did it ironically, because I didn't want to go back into the workplace after I had my children. So actually, I've spent my the, the majority of my working life, I, I started out in television, I was a, a, a script editor and a producer for many, many, many years and a, and, a, and a fierce career woman. I mean, if anyone had said, will you go back to work after having children? I would have said, and I did say on many occasions, absolutely 100%. Mm. Um, and, you know, the minute they put my first child in my arms, that just completely changed overnight, which was a huge, huge shock to me. Mm. 
even more. But I think that's really interesting. I mean, not every woman in our program has children um, for many reasons, but I will say, you know, if that is one of the things that happens in your life, you're not prepared for it. No one, I mean, you just, you just don't know. You just don't know you can love another human being that much. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I remember having the same feeling, like not so much that I was going to go back and have a career. Cause actually I was living in Switzerland at the time. And when I was pregnant, I was going through a recruitment. I was being headhunted and they didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, and I didn't know I was pregnant, but it was really interesting. I was, um, I, I was get, I just got married and we weren't really like not trying. It turns out we got pregnant on the honeymoon, but it was really interesting because I, in the headhunting meeting, I said, you know, Hey, I just got married. Um, what are the maternity policies for these companies? You know, um, in case I get pregnant, you know, and the guy, I'm not kidding. He stood me up. He literally looked at me. He goes, this meeting's over. And he stood me up and, he, and this is in Switzerland. He could get away with it. Stood me up, walked me out the door and said, I can't help you. Like, I oh, mean, it was in incredible i was like you know knowing what we know now about what women can do um from home what they can do with flexible hours i mean we've already to be fair let's be honest we knew women could do all this stuff before the pandemic but it's like the pandemic finally like woke up everyone else's eyes to the world the the fact that women can work around children they can work from home they can work flexibly they don't have to work you know the 40-hour week i'm I am becoming more and more convinced that the 40 hour week is a complete myth and it's a really bad system that served us well when we needed that kind of a system because actually the 40 hour work week came in, I think it was Henry Ford brought it in. One of my, you know, he's one of my favorite quotes is if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. But <laughs> Henry, Henry Ford brought in the 40 hour work week because until that point people were working to the bone and they were dying because they weren't getting breaks. They were working these ridiculous shifts and people weren't like, so he was the first person that introduced shifts so that people would have an increased life expectancy. Right. So, or I'm not like, but you know, your longevity. So we've been living in this system for a long time, but we now have so much more technology. We have so much more, um, I mean, availability to work from home, availability to work flexibly, that actually the, the, that 40 hour work week is really a myth because I don't know anyone who works a full 40 hour, 50 hour, 60 hour week and feels fully balanced at home, you know, including myself because I've been working crazy hours since the pandemic. But, you know, I've also been hiring like crazy because I'm trying really to go back to a normal set of hours so that I can actually be with my family and do the things that I need. But sure. I just, I find this whole, the pandemic's so interesting because it's 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 finally bringing to the forefront stuff that I think we as women have known for de decades, if not centuries, uh, and now everybody else is going. Oh, okay, we can still work from home. We can still work flexibly, but it's causing a big problem, as you know, for women because they've well, yes. got childcare, and majority of childcare falls on women. Well, absolutely, and actually, the irony of of the pandemic, I think, um, you know, as has been highlighted a lot in the press, is that is that women, in particular, you know, for better or worse, the kind of the majority of of the domestic duties defaults to women. Which is not to say that men can't do it, but I think there is a kind of there's a button in women which just automatically gets switched on. I mean, you know, you do it just because you know you can do it. Part of it is hubris as well. You know, you want it done your way. Um, it's part of that kind of nesting, that, that natural kind of maternal nesting thing, which so many of us just have automatically in us. And actually, it's a case of, well, I, I mean, I know you can tidy the bathrooms, but actually, if I do it, I can do it in five minutes. But, but the problem that that creates, you know, we are our own worst enemies to, to a great extent, because we are, I mean, I'm older than you, Joy, and I, I, I grew up in the Thatcher years, and, and, and we were brought up you know, I'm the first, the first female in my family to go to uni. And we, we were brought up by a prime minister who figured for better or worse, huge throughout our adolescence and told us that we could have it all. And that's what we grew up believing we could do. And a lot of my friends kind of, you know, I had my children very late. A lot of my friends barely slipped in with children just under that point at which it would not have been possible because we were kind of scrabbling, we, we, we all jumped into careers. We had amazingly successful careers. And then suddenly thought, hang on a minute, what about family? What about children? Mm -hmm. And then of course, 2008 hit. Now I had ducked out of my career by then and I was running after school nannies. 
in a very different climate where people would come to us and say, you know, we're going skiing for two weeks. We want a nanny to come with us. And then suddenly 2008 happens and the world crashes to its knees. And who are flocking back into work to support the fam women are suddenly careering back into work, which of course, you know, business because what did they not have? They did not have that support at the end of the school day. You know, how could they go back full-time to work with no one to look after the kids and no one to take care of them in the holidays? But then alongside that comes all the kind of mummy guilt, which, which Yinka last week was talking about, which again is one of these kind of endemic female issues, isn't it? That, that you're, you know, I've had women in tears that like I can't tell you the number of clients I've kind of counseled through this whole business of being back at work and not being there at the end of the school day, not being able to kind of be at sports day. And, and it, it is a huge, a huge issue, but I think what's so fascinating about the pandemic is how it's pivoted the whole world. And, and actually there's a big question mark over the whole childcare industry. I shouldn't be saying this on the point of a complete relaunch, but how much are people gonna need us? Because are people going to be going back to work in the way that they have done? Or have we all learned that actually we can work from home? We can start- Yeah, but children still need a place to go. And they need, you know, I think what I've noticed with my children you know, my son came bounding, I mean, literally bounding into our room this morning going, hi, mommy, hi, daddy. And he was so excited because this is his one day that he gets to go back to school, you know, and my kids love camps. I just booked them for, we have one camp that's been opened up for a bubble of kids for five days. It's a camping camp where they get, they're not going to spend the night, but they get to go and do outdoor activities. So it's safe and they'll do the socially distant thing, but they're all, they're so excited. You know, they need they need environments outside of their home. You know, they, our children have been with each other and with their parents for like 16 weeks now. I mean, I don't even know. I've lost track of the weeks. My husband and I have not had a child not attached to us, one of the two of us, for 16 weeks. It's yeah. like going back to having babies again. Sure. So I, I, I think the childcare industry is massively needed. I think the childcare carers need to be paid more. I think we need to value, you know, teachers we need to value the fact that, you know, I think all of us who have been homeschooling or trying to homeschool realize just how incredibly gifted our teachers are and how giving they are of their time and how generous they are with their teaching. And I think, you know, I think this is the, and the NHS as well. I mean, I think I'm, you know, reverberating a lot of the sentiments that, that we're hearing from people going, we need to value the NHS. We need to value our teachers. We need to value our carers because these are the people that make everything else possible. And I, so I, I would say that childcare is 100% needed. Um, and I think, uh, you know, and I think it's, it's not just for, not just for the moms and the dads who want to work. It's also for the kids, you know, they need how many times in this pandemic have, and I'm going to put my hands up here. How many times in this pandemic have we, has it been easier to stick our kids in front of a screen so that we can just get something done because we're at, we're at our wits end and there's nothing else you know we can't like we can't engage with them and engage with our business and you know and I will say like I'm really lucky I think I've one of the things that happened when I was um uh switching and you can probably talk to this too a little bit um, um but when I was starting to build my own business so Tech Pixies is my third business and my first business was uh, a blog in Lucerne where we used to live in Switzerland helping other people to connect with each other it was a community organization I never owned it it was always a charity type setup the second business um I built was um you know a website business and then the third business was Tech Pixies and they all kind of built into each other but I remember really tough conversations with my husband, like really tough conversations when they were little, little. And just, I had a, at one point I had a bald spot on my head. It was um, my hair. I had it, my hair, my friend who was a hairdresser, she'd come to my house and she was doing my hair. She's like, Joy, do you, do you know you're missing a patch of hair on your head? And I said, um, nope, didn't know about that. And it was, it was stress, you know, I was um, basically, I was burning the candle at both ends, you know, I mean, a lot of people know I do that now, but probably not to the extent that I was doing it then. Like I would pull all nighters because I would be with the kids during the day. My husband, the first two years we were married, my husband traveled 180 days the first year, 100 and 
50 days the second year, the first two years we had children. And so I was out of a two year period. I was completely on my own for a whole year and I was building this business while they were sleeping and I wasn't sleeping and it caused all sorts of problems. And, and I just remember finally saying to him, I need help. Like I can't, I can't do this on my own. And, um, and, it, and it was interesting because he transitioned as well. As soon as we had two children, he didn't want to be away all the time. And I think it broke his heart being away. Like he loved being with the family and loved being home. And he got to a place where he was like, this isn't serving me being away all the time because my family needs me, my wife needs me. Um, and so he made the decision um, to step away from coaching, which is what he was doing, coaching internationally. And, you know, and, and to start a business and work from home and have flexible hours. And actually what I love about him is he's like, I'm working 20 hours a week. And like, that's what he does. And he doesn't do more than that. And then the rest of his life is dedicated to his children. And, you know, he's an amazing chef and he's an amazing laundry, you know, guy. And we take turns, you know, I, I don't cook as much as he does in the last couple of weeks with the laundry machine being broken. I've been begging, borrowing and stealing from all of our neighbors. Uh, but, you know, we we're a good team. And I think, I think one of the most important things that a woman can do if if she's in a partnership, you know, uh, speak to her husband, her wife, her partner about how they share, uh, you know, share the balance. And there's a great book called Fair Play um, by Eve Rotsky, and she talks about this and just raising awareness about how many tasks each partner is doing. And then and then also you spoke to this earlier, like as a woman being able to let go of that need to be in charge of everything and say, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else do the bathrooms or I'm going to let somebody else and I'm going to let them do it the way they, they're going to do it. I'm going to let them own that and I'm going to step away from it and I'm not going to judge it because I've given it up to them and being able to let go of stuff and just and trust that someone else can, someone else can contribute to the house and do that. And I've been, I mean, the conversations were not easy in the early days at all. And and to be fair, my husband has always been helpful, but he just was gone for a couple of years. So when he did come, when he was home and he was getting really involved and when he really got involved, then it, then it flipped. Then we had the opposite issue. Then it was like, hey, Joy, you've got to come back into the household and like actually contribute in the household because you're not like you're just working all the time and you're not involved. So it's been an interesting kind of up and down journey where I did everything and then uh, and then we did stuff together and then now he did everything and then now we're having to rein it back in and do it and I think it's just you have to work that out between you and your partner. Sure no I absolutely get all of that and I, I've been on a very similar journey you know I, I've, I've worked days and nights um, you know in the early years when my kids were very small I've never ironically ever had any help um, you know with, with childcare. Um, and, you know, yes, it caused health problems in the early years. You know, I had a, I had a, a big health, health issue and of course worked straight through it. You know, it didn't stop me working, which is bonkers. Um, but, you know, I think, I th so I think communication is essential within the family. It's very hard and I, and I know it's hard because people are rushing out the door first thing in the morning and, um, and you do have to make time to have that communication. But I think, I think just to spool back to what you were saying about kids as well, needing to get out of the home. I think this is something which, you know, our ethos is all about bringing them home and, and getting them away from that kind of institutional mayhem of, of the school day. And I think the reason why, you know, schools, Victorian, I think it was Victorian regulation that, that dictated that schools ended at 3.30. And I think there is a, a very sound kind of um, rationale behind that, which is that kids, kids are kind of high energy creatures and you can't keep that going for longer than the amount of time that they do. But I think sadly what's happening is that because of course, everything you and I are talking about are very much kind of first world issues, aren't they? And, and you know, the parents that can afford the sort of childcare that I offer as an agency in my kind of previous, you know, up, right up to now, we're pivoting now into something very different, but you know, up to now, I've been catering for, for quite a privileged market of, 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 of families that can afford private childcare, can, can buy into my ethos of giving children that one-to-one -one kind of mentoring at the end of the day, which I personally believe does them best. I think that suits them best. Um, yes, I absolutely agree that in the holiday times, you don't want them cooped up with one person. You do need to be getting them out. But I think I think what I'm, where I now am is I'm looking down the lens and I'm particularly with the pandemic. I mean, I, I've been aware of this and worrying about it and trying to, my, my brain has been trying to kind of work towards, I'm the sort of person where if I see there's a problem somewhere, I just want to correct it. I want to solve it. 
-hmm. And there's been this kind of ding, 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 ding at the back of my mind for a long time that there is a whole, whole raft of disadvantaged families and children for whom nothing but nothing is reaching. I mean, not even the statutory childcare that is, is getting to them. And so my vision now is to try to roll out a service which can in somehow in some way fund some kind of a, you know, a move towards creating a sustainable um, provision for those families. Well, and that's, that Elizabeth is the definition of a social entrepreneur, right? So a social entrepreneur is trying to solve <laughs> a, solve a social problem with a commercially viable idea uh, and, uh, you know, or, you know, trying to solve it in an innovative way. And I love, that's what I love about you. So let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about, so you've, you've pivoted twice. Um, you came on our free training program, which we ran in April, which was so much fun. We had over a thousand women actively engaged. We had 4,000 women show up, but over a thousand women, I think it was around a thousand 50, 1,060 showed up and were live with us for a two week period. You were one of them. Tell us what that free training experience was like for you and, and what it ignited for you um, as you start to, to lean into this vision of becoming a social entrepreneur. Well, I mean, it, it was completely invaluable. I did a lot of it. I was, I was suddenly very aware of people popping up on my kind of my minimal knowledge. I mean, I'm a kind of Facebook girl and that's, sorry, I shouldn't use the word girl. I know you hate it, Joy. <laughs> um, but, you know, what I realized was that my brain was moving in one direction, which is, hey, you know, I need to create a platform. I need to be helping this massive social problem that we have. I want to be doing other things. I'm hungry to be expanding. I absolutely do not know how to do this. And so to do the kind of the, the, the free, um, uh, you know, Tech Pixies training was, was amazing for me because it just in a very short period of time with no kind of pressure, it just crystallized the opportunities that are out there to use and to leverage social media in particular was the focus um, of that short course that I did. And it explained, you know, the sunflower effect, for example, is, you know, and it was encouraging for me because, you know, the root of the sunflower was your business. And I was aware that there were people on that course with me who hadn't got the business yet. So it was a very structured way of enabling them to think about how, you know, what is the business going to be and then what you need to do with it. What I was really, really pleased because actually I already had the stem of the flower. So I already had the business and I had some of the petals and some of the seeds, but I needed to kind of see that vision to, to be able to organize it in my mind and see where the gaps were in my knowledge. And I then did your, um, your, you know, your how to take your business online, again, your freebie, your wonderful freebie. And I realized that actually I am a social entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I am, you know, somebody who is, I, I guess, kind of rocket fuel in as much as I'm a strategist and a kind of blue sky thinker, but boy, oh boy, do I need an integrator. Yeah, and you found one right in your and own I found world. one. <laughs> and it happens to be in-house, which is very, very lucky. So I have, you know, an incredible, incredible son who, who, who is capable of all of this. And then you pile in, I write you an email and say, okay, Joy, this is what we want to do. Um, my business has kind of crashed to its knees overnight. Nobody's hiring nannies anymore, but how about we do a kind of virtual nanny offering? And, and we, we, you know, very, very lucky that we've always had a kind of raft of fantastic actors, writers, creative people on our books because being an after-school nanny is perfect part-time work for people in those kind of those kind of careers and I just emailed all of them I emailed about 10 15 of them and I said this is my idea do you want to be part of it and I promise you hand on heart every single one of them said absolutely 101 percent wow so then we come to you and you didn't really know me very well at that point but I said, Joy, you know, how about it? Will you help us with this? And you just leapt in, didn't you? And you gave us, you spoke to Nicholas and to me for about an hour and you resourced us. And what, I, what was amazing about you and what I've, I've, I remain, you know, incredibly impressed by was that we didn't need to explain what we were trying to do. You kind of got it from a sort of creating of a, of a, of a, of a new website you sort of saw the opportunity and you were for some extraordinary reason, absolutely aligned with what we were thinking. 
And so it was an amazing process of you being able to say, well, why don't you do the triple bundle, which we did of the MailChimp, the branding and the WordPress. Mm -hmm. I have to admit, Nicholas did the lion's share of that. Um, you know, He's your integrator though. See, so if you do our free online training about how to, how I move my business online, I talk about that. I talk about the book Rocket Fuel and about how you there are visionaries and there's integrators. And at Tech Pixies, we train both, right? So we have people who are visionaries and, and people who are integrators. Um, but the cool thing is often when people are just getting started and they're a visionary, they have to do the integration. But then we also have women who come to our program. They're like, hey, I'm not a visionary. I'm not someone who wants to run or lead a company, but I want to help someone do that. So a really good example of that and who came through our last free training program and joined our bigger program uh, is Amanda um, and her husband, who is uh, Mr. Ukulele. And, uh, and, and basically, he's a ukulele teacher. Uh, and she is now like 100%. She's worked out. She's an integrator. He's the visionary. She's the integrator. So they're launching, um, they're launching a ukulele school. And I don't know if I connected them to you or not. But he's launching a ukulele school to teach kids how to play the ukulele online. And she's going to do all of the tech, all of the social media, all of the integration. He's going to do all the visionary, all the leading, all the teaching. And so you're, you're in many ways, you're, you're, what you're describing is exactly that is working out. Am I an integrator? Am I visionary? And we talk about that in the free online workshop, which is techpixies.com forward slash move online. And what, what, what you do is if you work out, you're an integrator or you're a visionary, and then you've got access to an integrator, which Elizabeth does have access to an integrator. He lives in her house. It's her son. But actually the beauty of, of the Triple Bundle Workshop is like someone can literally give that to their integrator and say like, here's what you need to do. And when we got on the phone for an hour, those two Fridays, it was like, let's just work out what you need. And then I can point Nicholas exactly to the pieces that he needs to know how to do in order to make it all happen. He actually had the curiosity, the brain power, the... Um, the previous experience, knowledge, and total love of tech to kind of take that learning and then build on it, which I think is really cool. And that's, that's what's fun. And a lot of women who go into course creation, um, which you're not necessarily in course creation, but you're in an online platform situation, oh. um, they will have someone like, I mean, I know in my mastermind, a lot of the a lot of the women in my mastermind, their husbands run the Facebook ads yeah, because their husbands love that kind of technical thing. And I know, I mean, almost every single woman in my mastermind, bearing in mind, these are like really big businesses, their husbands now, um, they've re they, they like they retire their husbands. So their husbands have been retired from their jobs and now work for them doing something on the integrator side. So sometimes, you know, it could be your partner. It could be, um, it could be your child. It could be a niece or a nephew. It also could be, you know, just a really good friend who's technically inclined, but it's, yeah, it's aligning what it's finding. It's figuring out which role you play, looking at your current financial situation, looking at your current relationships and saying, you know, which way should I go? I know that this new idea that you've got now, like you were saying to me, you've been quoted a ridiculous amount of money to get it off the ground. Whereas you've discovered you have a son that has an incredible brain and can piece it all together. And now is really kind of leaning into his strengths and is doing that. Sure. So, I mean, you know, we, 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 we created virtual nanny, which, which, which absolutely, um, you know, was, was done as at first off as a, as a kind of, what can I do to keep my business going? What can I do to support my nannies who suddenly had no work, but also, it was again that kind of instinct that I have of looking out the window and thinking, is there something I can do to help? And I realized that, you know, families were sitting at home, homeschooling, also working because they hadn't been furloughed. And like you with children, you know, literally running, running riot. Um, and so well, I can I just say Jennifer Allwood did a really, really, really great. Um, she's one of my favorites. She's a Christian businesswoman. And um, they're not a lot out there on podcasts doing it, but she she did this great thing about like, maybe we should forgive ourselves for and like let go of the guilt of being a bad homeschooling mom. Because if you really think about your life, do you feel like you were called to be a homeschool mom? And I was like, no, I oh, was absolutely not. <laughs> I was not called to be, if I was called to be a homeschool mother, I would have been doing it from day one. I couldn't wait to get my kids into Montessori and get them into school. I loved going to school myself. I was never a homeschool child. It was not my thing. And, you know, it wouldn't have been my mom's thing. In fact, my mom and I had a great conversation a couple weeks in and she's, She's like, Joy, I just don't know how you do it. And I, you know, I probably gave up on homeschooling about six weeks in. 
And, and I don't I, think you're alone, Joy. But my husband did carry it on, which I do massively respect. He makes the kids do their math exercises and, you know, and they do have to read every morning. And so they do, there are things, but I did take a little bit of a different angle on homeschooling. And like, I've, um, I've taken the kids on some adventures and also more importantly, like, Heidi's launched a, an online t-shirt company. I was hearing about that. Yes. Yeah. She's launched an Instagram account and, and it's really amazing. I will say one thing that's so fun about kids that we as adults lose as we get older kids, they don't, they just, they just explore. And that's probably why Nicholas is so good at what he's doing. He's, I mean, he's not a kid, but he's young, he's a young man and he still has that exploring. Well, they're slightly um, fearless, you know, yes. that kind of invincibility, which, which we, we lose sadly. Yeah. And my daughter, I taught her how to do Instagram, you know, using all the things that we do and you lose it in tech fixies. And she just like, I came down one morning and she's like, Oh, I did stories and highlights and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Whoa, you know, she just was fearless and she just did it. And it was like, and she's, I mean, to be fair, like I'm overseeing everything. She's not the right age, but I am overseeing everything that she's doing. But I was just like, wow, you know, and she's even like figured out how to grow her following. And she's really excited about getting to her first hundred followers and she's building relationships. And, and then I woke up this morning and she'd worked out how to reply to an email to her grandfather. And so, you know, she's, she's starting to learn how to communicate um, with uh, technology sure. and, you know, that's scary, but it's also wonderful, you know, because I, I, I can oversee it and I'm not scared of it. And that's actually one of the big things about to be honest, the big reason why we do what we do, because so many women who've missed the digital boat. Absolutely are terrified. They're terrified. terrified. No. And I, I think, I think it is absolutely a generational thing. And I try to get my children to just sometimes, you know, the other day I, I, I was, I was, um, I was just about to go to sleep actually. And a, and a post came up on my Facebook um, with some lovely photographs of a very, very dear friend of mine who, who tragically died in a car crash. 35 years ago went just after I'd left university and I was just think my brain went back to that time it's only 35 years but you know we had no mobile phones we had no emails you know if you wanted to communicate with each other at the time you had to either pick up a, a landline pay or phone. write a letter a payphone absolutely we had a payphone in our kitchen when I was a student you know everyone having conversations home with everybody else in the house listening you know it was very basic and trying to get my children to understand how, how much of a journey I've come on, you know, when they're kind of raising their eyes and banging their heads against the wall, because I don't get, you know, sometimes, I mean, my, 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 my Nicholas again had to explain the other day by using the metaphor of a train taking information from the station to another platform in order to get me to comprehend a particular aspect that I just, my poor brain just could not grasp. And now I understand it because I see the train, but yeah. you know, they don't understand the journey that, and I'm a lot older than you, Joy, but women of my generation who are now a lot, a lot of us are returning into work or, or, or thinking, Hey, you know, this, I've, I've got a few. As you there. should be, as you and should I want be, to use them, yes. so much to contribute. But you know, you're doing an amazing job because technology is here to stay and it is terrifying if you didn't grow up with it and it's not kind of part of your, of your education and you've managed to avoid it because you find it a bit scary. And also I think there's another kind of psychological aspect to all of this, which is that, again, it's a generational thing, but I don't naturally share everything and I don't naturally blow my own trumpet. And I watch my children kind of putting everything out there. They are such social creatures. They're never disconnected from each other. And that to me is anathema. I mean, that would literally finish me off. I would retire to my, to my duvet and never come out again if somebody said that's how you have to live your life. So there's a big, big psychological kind of leap that people have to make, I think. And you manage to, to drag us along with you because you make it fun as well as, as logical. I was gonna say, is it, is it dragging you along, kicking and screaming or is it? No, not at all. It's saying, look, here, come on, get a grip. It's here to stay and you can use it, you know, leverage it to get back into the real world and do what you're meant to be doing, which is, which is really what, you know, women are not great. At, a lot of women are not great at that. So, so, you know, thank you for, for, for 
kind of charging my my kind of drive forward and enabling me to, to, to do what I'm doing at the moment. But this goes back to just getting started, right? It goes back to showing up. It goes back to doing the work, which you did. So let's, um, so you've, so you pivoted, you created this and it was, a and, and let's, let's just say too, sometimes, you know, you, you take an idea, you run with it and you go, okay, this is working or this is not working, but the learnings from it then build the base for the next thing. So if I look at, if I look at the blogging that I did in Lucerne and I learned how to create a community online, and then I look at the work I did with websites um, where I learned how to create websites that you can share easily onto social media. And I worked with adults who had learning disabilities or who had, or young adults who had long-term um, risks of unemployment. I then had the mom saying to me, I need these skills. I want these skills. Can you create a program for me? And I was like, that wasn't on my radar, right? And also, because it wasn't on my radar, I was like, I can't build that from scratch. I got to go find money to build that. I'm not going to, because having built two businesses already, I was like, I know how freaking hard it is <laughs> to build a business from scratch. So I went out and sought funding. And, you know, I, we, over the, I mean, Tech Pixies, if you were to add up all the different ways we've received funding between, you know, startup loans and, um, you know, even the bounce back loan and the, um, uh, the the fundraising from Crowdfunder and, you know, the Government Equalities Grant and then the unlimited support yeah. and then, you know, the investment. I mean, we're probably in terms of money that ha I've had to beg, borrow and steal from people to keep things going in the direction I wanted it to go in. You know, I mean, we're probably well over 250,000 pounds over the last five years finding those different ways. To, and of course, I, I never... Um, uh, flippantly borrowed money, never used a credit card, you know, always knew I could pay off the loans with the revenue from the business, always knew, you know, when I needed a bigger amount and I wasn't sure what we were going to do, that's when I went and raised investment because that's what investment is. It's a risk and people, they're taking a chance on you. So every time I, you know, um, changed the business or tried to, you know, navigate how we were going to fund it, there were always calculated risks that I was making, but you got to get started somehow, right? And so for me, it was like, okay, so women are saying they want this. And actually the two skill sets I have from my previous two companies are really well positioned to help me do what they need. And then how do I fund it? And that's how I went down the path of, of getting funding for it. And I think actually a lot of women think they don't, they need to, they can just, they, they need to do it off their own back or they need to do it out of their own savings, which you can do. But if, if you're listening to this and you've never, ever contemplated the idea that there are, there are funding mechanisms out there, um, then this is a great opportunity. Um, Not West has a back her business crowdfunding matching campaign right now. Um, you know, I love crowdfunding. That was one thing that we used. You know, I remember when we did crowdfunding, I remember telling the team, I'm like, hey guys, if we do crowdfunding, it means we're running out of money. <laughs> <laughs> in the very early days. And then of course we ran out of money. And then I would, I, and then I didn't think about doing when, when was a good time to do crowdfunding? When was a bad time to do? So I did it right during the Easter break, which of course then no one was paying attention to emails or on social media. And it was, it, you know, you just make a lot of mistakes and you learn from it. But, but the crowdfunding was huge because, um, uh, it ended up, we ended up getting the attention of the prime minister. So yeah. it's also like when you can be brave and go do something, you know, even if it doesn't work out, or even if it's just a piece of the puzzle for the bigger picture, doing it, just getting started, just doing it helps you to your brain subconsciously to process, okay, that's how you do that. Or that's how you do that. And you build the blocks to your Lego tower. Um, so, so tell me about, so you made this pivot to do virtual nannies. So, and then, and, and tell us how that's going and then tell us about this new pivot. Okay, so, so Virtual Nanny, um, as I've said, was created to, uh, to serve what I felt was a need during the pandemic um, to kind of pilot, you know, parachute in an hour of creative, uh, it, it's not academic time, it, it's creative time with a bunch of, 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 you know, young, energetic, creative mentors, everything from acting to poetry to uh, story writing to no-bake baking, I mean, you name it music uh these 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 young people can can offer it and and the feedback has been you know incredible 100 and I, i'm so proud of the team because they have given 110 every single time 
And, 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 and obviously, you know, it is just to a certain extent a business of its time because things will go back to being, you know, as they were before in terms of children being at school. This, this need will not necessarily be as, as sharp as it has been. But I, I think, you know, one of the really interesting things about what the pandemic has given us is, is the realisation that, that virtual communication has become a lifeline for pretty much all of us. I mean, you know, the elderly in care homes are, are being connected with their families on, on, you know, FaceTime chats. And, you know, who knew that the man that, that created Zoom would be would be such a happy man right now? Well, he just wanted to talk to his girlfriend and he didn't like Skype. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if they're still together now. But well, that's apparently the story. That's incredible. And I mean, who knew that I could conquer Zoom, but I have done. And it's, you know, yeah. it's like, for me, it's like falling off a log now. Every conversation I have pretty much is via Zoom. I'm running my business via Zoom. Um, but yeah, so so I think, I, think, I think that is a really interesting aspect to come out of all of this. And I think looking forward to the way education is going to work. Have you got a child coming in? I do. I have a child uh, moving <laughs> around. I'm not sure what she's after. What are you after? He wants to listen in. By Coloring the pencils. Well, I think they're in there. <laughs> or they're in the front room. They're in the front room. Okay. That's okay. But they could be in here too. Feel free to come grab them. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, no, but you're right. The virtual community... Virtual communication, I think, I think is going to begin to play a very big part in education. And, and I think that's wonderful. And, and actually, I, I, I think probably where virtual nanny will end up being. I mean, I'm, I'm not devoting time to that right now because I'm pivoting again. But I, I think in the future, you know, kind of the, the idea of creative mentorship for children, particularly at transitional periods of their education, who may need their confidence boosting, kids who perhaps are doing you know, public speaking as part of an English GCSE, kids who are doing GCSE drama, but might just feel they need a bit of one-to-one -one mentoring. Kids who have to perform in a concert you know, with their, with their musical instrument might need to just rehearse that a bit in front of a young person who, it's that giving them that opportunity for one-to-one -one, uh, you know, mentorship in a private space where they don't have to travel to get there, they feel safe, I think could be a very valuable component going forward, both for you know mainstream primary education and secondary education, but also again banging into my desire to do something for the disadvantaged kids. Um, you know, I know we have all the issues with tech and, and data and so on, but if we can overcome those, and that to me is a no-brainer. Yeah. Business has to pile in. We have to. Fight. Well, it's really interesting that you say this because when. Um, uh, we were talking about this idea, you know, to, to do this, you know, and, and I was saying I was it was almost interesting because suddenly on my feed, my old flute teacher popped up on my Facebook feed. I played the flute too, Joy. What's that? I played the flute too. I played it too. I well, yeah, of course I played it. I just said it, but I know, isn't that fun that we both played the flute? Weird. But I so I know he's been a Facebook friend for who knows how long. But somehow his stuff popped up. I think he did this virtual concert with a couple of his with his band because they they can't play together right now. So they did a virtual Zoom uh, concert or, and and then they posted it on Facebook, something like that. Anyway, I listened to it. I loved it, and I just messaged him and I said is there any chance you're doing virtual teaching? Because I loved him as a teacher. And in fact, when I, when he, my school cut um, their funding, he ended up getting cut from the teaching staff. And I had this horrific uh, band teacher that I got next. And I was like, I'm not, I like, I quit because it was so awful. Um, but it was so funny because uh, he posted a picture uh, well, he sent me a picture of our crew when we were, because I was in a jazz band, and he sent us a picture of the jazz band, and I forgot that I was second flute. Like, I, thought, I forgot <laughs> I was actually pretty good. <laughs> and it was so funny because my friend Nate Camp, who was first flute, it, and everyone had to remind me that I forgot there was even a rivalry there that I was second and he was first. But what was really interesting was I forgot I loved it so much. And so I messaged him and I said, is there any chance whatsoever you're doing virtual teaching? Because I would love for my daughter to learn from you because she wasn't loving her flute teacher and she was having the same experience I was having and wanting to kind of quit and not enjoying it. And I kid you not, he wrote back, he's like, I just quit my um, teaching, my, my teaching job. He's like, I'm open for private tuition. 
and he has been teaching her and her best friend on Zoom for a couple weeks, and now my son's involved, and now they've got a little, <laughs> between the three of them, they can literally jam jazz with flute and piano. It's insane. That, 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 that's, that's what the pandemic has taught us. You know, we, we, we're so much more forgiving of each other. We're more relaxed about just having a go at this kind of thing. And it's so exciting in terms of where this is leading. And actually the people who have embraced it and been courageous and thought, I'm going to face forward and I'm going to do this, you know, are the ones I think that are going to be driving everything forward. And please God, we can hang on to the good that's come out of all of this. Yeah, for sure. Drive it forward. So uh, what's the third, what's the third pivot? What's the final piece? The Tell final me about piece. it. The masterpiece. Well, I hope it's going to be a masterpiece. So we, we are, we're, we're turning from, from we're, uh, you know, after 14 years of being a face-to-face -face small, you know, very nurturing one-to-one -one agency working with a very limited area of London, we're taking the massive leap to go online and turn it into a kind of online digital service that will be reaching out initially to the whole of London, hopefully then further. Um, and um, it will be exactly the same in terms of the, the care that we take in recruiting nannies. So I've, I've, I've taken on, like you, lots of new staff. We're recruiting like mad. We're partnering up with people like Nanny Tax, um, with Baby M, which is our, our, our go-to pediatric first aid provider and childcare trainer provider. So we want, to, we want to raise the profile of the job itself so that the, the, the people doing it can earn, they can train online. They can make that um, so that so that people become more aware of the job because I think for a long time it's gone under the, the radar. People have you know grandparents do it; they don't get paid anything for doing it. It's such a critical piece of work in terms of allowing families to function, and 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 and, and also doing it this way means that you cut out the agency fee and it'll be a subscription service. So I'm hoping it will it will open our service up to a much wider audience of families that will be able to use us. And then ultimately, I want to eventually, if there is enough revenue, I want to use that revenue to then drive forward into supporting disadvantaged families. Elizabeth, it's not if there's enough revenue, it's when there's enough. I know revenue. it's the yet word, isn't it? It's the yet word. You're a businesswoman, you'll figure this out. And I think, you know, there's, I agree with you um, that there's a need for this across the whole country. And actually, why limit yourself to London? I mean, that's the beautiful part of online business is you can scale I mean, I'm in the same situation now where I've got people saying, well, this needs to go global. And I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, wait. A but you know, organic, organic growth joy is something which, you know, I learned about things growing and developing organically when I was a script editor. And I've held on to that word because you have to have an organic narrative. And if you're if you're piling stuff onto that narrative just because it sounds nice or you like the sound of it, forget it. It's got to be something that grows organically. And if you suddenly go global overnight, you may live to regret it. But if you, you know, if you branch out a little We are calculating going global, but very, we have a plan. We're not Absolutely. going. And actually, it's very interesting what you just said, because we, we hired an ads manager a couple months ago, and he's helping us get ready for the next phase of the business. And he was like, this needs to be like this needs and actually a lot of people have said that to me. A lot of people have looked at the program and they said, why are you only limiting it to the UK? And, and I, there's lots of reasons why, but I basically said to him, look, I'm, I'm willing to consider it. And it's something that probably is part of the future, but I have a lot of things I want to make sure are sorted. And it's not about perfection, but it's, it's literally down to the fact that I'm American and I own a business in the UK. And for the American government, that puts me in a really, especially with the current president, it puts me in a really interesting tax position. Um, and so I'm having to do quite a lot to protect myself. Uh, because basically I'm being seen as an American who doesn't want to have an American company and then I'm going to get penalized for taxation wise, especially if I sell back into America. So I have to be, you know, I, it's not about perfection for me. We could roll this out in America tomorrow or across the globe tomorrow, but I, I want to make decisions that protect me as an individual, also protect the company and protect my investors uh, and protect the, the the community we've built as well. So I agree with you. I mean, we've We've gone beyond organic now, although I will say it's really funny because on our Facebook ads, and I do think that's something you're going to have to get into eventually to grow your business, yeah. to have the revenue you want, to then give back the way you want. Believe me, well, that's, that's, that happens next week, Joy. Nicholas has that all in train. That's on the, that's on the agenda for next week, Facebook and Google ads. 
Yeah, and does he know about Rick Mulready's masterclass? Because that's what I had. I haven't listened to last week's podcast. I know podcast. about that, so I'll, I'll pass that on to him. Yeah, episode 42. And then as, I'm on, write in, that down. Yeah, in the show notes for episode 42, there is um, a link to Rick Mulready's masterclass. It's also in our link in bio and Instagram. And it's, and it's really, if he's learning how to do that, it'd be really great if he starts by learning from Rick, because that's who okay. helped me. Um, and I was really scared of ads, but I will say what's really funny. And I was telling this, um, to Rick the other day, you know, people say they heard about us from their friends, but actually what ha what's happened is that they see the ad or someone sees the ad and then their, their friend tags them in the ad. Yes. And then they think that their friend has told them about it when actually it's an ad that got in front of their friend and then their friend thought of their other friend. And then they, you know, so it's a weird, it's a weird sort of semi-organic, but You know, what I love about Facebook ads, and, and I, there's a whole episode on this, so we're not going to talk about it too much, but and maybe this is just to encourage you a little bit. What I love about Facebook ads is that it helps you uh, find your ideal customer. And often, particularly with online services, whether it's a course or whether it's a service like yours, they don't even know they need it yet. Like, and they don't even know where to go look for it. Yeah. So, you know, finding the right person and planting the seed to say, hey, we've got this thing that you might really need and love is actually a wonderful service. And I know many, many women who've come through our free training program and subsequently our course, they'll write things like, I can't, I'm so glad you found me. And, you know, we've got a book launching in the next couple weeks, like probably in the next two weeks, we've got a book that's coming out. And we're going to use ads to get that book out to people. And literally one of the first lines I say is if this book found you, there's a reason because we've taken all the learnings from our, for, our, um, our free training. From well, the April. ad spoke to you. What's that? I was going to say, you know, that is so true because the Facebook ad, the, the, the reason I, I, I found you was because your ad popped up on my Facebook feed. Now, I don't know how it got there, but it did. And it spoke to me at that moment because everything else was going on in my mind. So you're absolutely right. There was a reason. There was absolutely a reason why I noticed it. And kind yeah, of- Yeah, and that's what we're, and the, the whole, so what I did is I'm taking the learnings from that free training. I'm putting them all in a book so that anyone at any time can just take that and get started, right? Because it's all about getting started. This whole month is about getting started. Sure. And this book for me was a, an opportunity to get started, get, get my thoughts on paper, take the success we had from April and actually find a way to really scale that out to more people. Um, because as you know, and as you can imagine, running a four-part free training series with a thousand women over and over and over again would be quite challenging. So that's why as we, as we look to help more women and really scale the business, I thought, well, a book's a great way to do that because there's exercises, they can write them down, they can dip in and out of it as they want. And then if they decide they want to join the bigger course, that's an option for them too. But the book is a really great get started place. And it, it takes all the learnings we had from that free training. But um, I, so I love this idea. I can't wait to see how it pans out. Have, so what's the launch date and how do people find out about it? So the launch date is the 27th of July. And if people want to visit our current website, which is www.afterschoolnannies.com, there is a link there that they can not subscribe on, but they can join a waiting list so that we will keep them informed and we will be in touch with them as soon as we launch so that they can then come and visit us and hopefully subscribe to the new service. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for you. And you know what, what I think if, if, I mean, there are still people watching, if you have questions, I'd love it. If you drop a question, uh, question into the, um, into the comments, uh, and there's a couple questions or there's a couple comments, lots of great comments in there, uh, about parenting and all that good stuff and homeschooling. Uh, and, uh, so Samantha's just asking about, yeah, Rick Mulready, M-U-L-R-E-A-D-Y. That's his name. And there's a free masterclass on the episode 42 about that. And Zoe Morale says that she got an ad in her Facebook too. And it was media, so social media magic, you know, and that's, that's the whole point. I think it's what, what the, once you've got a, once you've got a product uh, or a service, then the ads are a way of getting that out to people. The other thing too, Elizabeth, that I would tell Nicholas, if he was on here with us, is that one of the best ways to improve your messaging is to put money behind ads. Yes. Because what, what I found in the early days, our conversion um, costs, so what you say, like your cost per lead were really, really high. 
And that's because our messaging wasn't dialed into our ideal customer. So one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give you when you're starting with your ads, um, and I'm by no means the expert Rick is, but I've been doing the, you know, I've been doing it for a while and I understand them is, is, you know, anytime you can take the language directly from your ideal customers who you already have, who you're already in contact with, who you already listen to all the time, you know, and you can put that, embed that into the ads. You know, one thing that a lot of women say to us is, oh, I feel like a tech dinosaur and I want to become a, you know, they like the vision of their future vision of themselves as a tech superstar, but where they feel right now is either a tech dinosaur or a, an imposter. Like they might be doing social media, but feeling like a social media imposter. And so we say like, that's basically what, we, what we're, what we're, the that's who we're targeting. Like, do you feel like a, a tech dinosaur or a social media, you know, imposter? Because we need to get you across the bridge to becoming and feeling like a superstar. And that's what the, that's what the free training and the book is all about is to start to understand what it feels like to make that transition so that you're making decisions out of your future self. And, you know, what I love, Elizabeth, is you are making futures out of your, your you're making decisions out of your, your future self. You can see what you want it to be. You can see how it can work and you're trying the different angles to figure that out. Um, but I will say the ad spend is a great way to say, is my messaging right or not? Because yes. if you get really high cost per conversion, chances are the messaging or the audiences aren't quite right. You know? yeah, absolutely. No, I but I actually knew our audiences were right because um, of the research I had done. It was my messaging that was off. So it, usually if the ads don't work out of the gate, it's one of the two, the messaging or the audience. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you, Joy, as ever. Thank you. Well, uh, I, we don't have any questions. I think everybody has enjoyed it. Um, Claire's just said great interview. Uh, Lauren has just said such a great live. So I thank you to our live audience who's, who's joined us today. Um, it's always fun to have a live audience. We've got some diehards who show up every week who watch the who watch all the lives. I, I prefer to do them live rather than pre-record them because we can get the interaction from the audience. But um, Elizabeth, do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with um, with us uh, about you know getting started or being brave? I would love I would love kind of some parting words from you. Oh, that's so kind of you, Joy. I mean, I. I suppose what I would share is what I what I find myself sharing with my friends at the moment when I have you know phone conversations with them or or, or you know as we're using WhatsApp a lot at the moment to can we have a little group of us that communicates regularly and I guess the thing that struck me most I think about this period is that the biggest challenge I think for all of us is going to be holding on to the lessons, the good lessons that we've all learned and the bravery and the courage and the creativity that a lot of us have felt. Um, and I think technology, as we've discussed, has played such a critical role in all of that. It's almost, I feel as though the government needs to appoint somebody official almost to take soundings and record all of this because we need to hold it and we need to take it forward. And I think we can do that ourselves as individuals. I think that is so important that as individuals, we take all of this forward because if we're not doing it ourselves, then it's gonna be lost in the bigger picture. Um, and it, it's, it, it is this, it is the discoveries that we've made during this awful, awful, awful period, um, you know, amongst so much tragedy that, um, that we need to we need to be taking forward to recover and to enable life to get back to some kind of normality who knows what that normality is going to become but we have to embrace it and we have to have the courage to go forward and to keep supporting each other because there is so much healing to be done so mm. much healing and if anything i think we've all learned to look at the bigger picture to care for ourselves and our loved ones yes but we have to hang on to that sense of caring for others and being brave enough to look outside the window and think, what could I do to help? Mm. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. I've got, I'm not kidding, I've got chills. That is gonna be oh. our IGTV slot. That was so good, but so true. You know, and I think that what you've just summed up is in like a beautiful, um, you know, little encapsulation is we have lived through something. And my mom said this to me the other day, we've lived through something completely unprecedented. And, you know, it's, it's moments like this um, where, you know, we can choose to take the good or the bad. We can choose to be responsible or irresponsible. We can choose to, you know, make um, headway or stop and freeze in our tracks, you know. And I think what you've just 
in hopefully invited women to do uh, and men, but just invited people to do is say, what can I do? What's my part to play? Um, how can I make, how can I take all of this that's happened and, you know, make the world a better place? And really that's what life should be about. Everyone should be waking up every day saying, how can I make the world a better place? Right. That's what, that's what we, that's what we're here to do. We're here to make the world a better place. We're here to look after people, to encourage people to, you know, and, and there's, there's, you know, I have a friend who believes in the 28 spiritual gifts and, you know, how you figure out what your gifts are and then you give those back. And I just did a test the other day and I've got some, I've got some idea of what my gifts are. I think, you know, discovering, doing that self um, evaluation that, you know, spending some time to figure out what's my contribution to the world, you know, and what do I enjoy doing? What, what comes easy to me? What, you know, what lights me up? Um, you know, that, that introspection, that's what, but the introspection within the context of what's going on. And that's where you, you start to connect the dots and get to do something really great for humanity. And I love what you're doing because you're doing exactly that, and Thank what a blessing you are to so many parents who need that for their children and so many children who need that just to, you know, to keep going on a, on a mental playing field that is healthy and happy and safe. Thank you, Joy. Well, that's what we all want, isn't it? That is what we all want. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, thank you so much. That was wonderful to chat with you. And thank I'm you. sure we'll have you back on at some point. Thank you so much, Joy. It's been an absolute pleasure.